Good morning. It's good to see you today. Always good to be here. Have some visitors with us today. Thank you for your presence. It is good that uh, you have come to be with us in our service today. We pray that God has blessed you already. and pray for more many blessings to come. If I can get my little stand there, it would be great. It's kind of hard to do this, this, and this. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate it. Wonderful um, to be able to see the seniors that uh, were here today and all of those that are have graduated, or uh, are about to graduate, I should say, and uh, we're excited for them and their new journey and all of those things, and um, we just are very proud, proud of their parents as well, and, and the raising of their children, first of all, in the Lord, and, and then through this process of getting them through their schooling, and, and now... Uh, to the great beyond, uh, if you will, and all those things. But uh, we're excited, and congratulations to all of you, and those even in the colleges and the ranks of all of that, all the time and the efforts that you've put in to, to get where you've um, uh, gotten today. We just are uh, celebrating with you as well. Please know that. You probably heard of the two teenage high school seniors. These two guys were good friends, and his friend goes over to one friend's house, and he says, what you doing? He said, well, I just finished this puzzle. He said, you did? And he said, yeah. He said, look at it. He said, wow. He said, that's a pretty small puzzle. He said, how long did that take you to put together? He said, took me four months. Four months to put that puzzle together? He said, yeah. He said, it was kind of something like a world record setting time. He said, what do you mean four months it took you to put that puzzle together? He said, yeah, but on the box it said three to five years. Whatever. I'm gonna pause, I'm gonna pause a little bit today in our, our spiritual growth series, kind of, sort of, not really. And I don't know what that means when somebody says that, because actually it connects with all of the things that we've been discussing over this, uh, in fact, this whole year. But I want to take a few minutes to really address the young men and women that were here before us and those of you that have, are graduating and those that are out there that might need to hear it for all of us, and hopefully they will be able to receive something from this, because I truly do believe that a little encouragement can go a long way. All of us need encouragement in our life, of course, and these these young men and women that were up here today, they're going to need it now more than ever. I mean, it's just because they're about to ready to leave home, maybe to go to college, go to Navy, or whatever they're going to do, you know, they need encouragement from us. They need our prayers, first of all, and, and that encouragement uh, will come through that as well, and so we need to do all of that. Of course, we all want the best for our children, our grandchildren. Ours was up here, our grandson, proud of, of course. So all the parents were here today, very proud. And we want the best for them to become productive citizens and all of those things and be able to become what they can really become in the Lord and all of that. Um, now, in all of that, I should simply say is we want them uh, to simply stay on the right path. Uh, we understand the right path. Jeff mentioned that even in his prayer about a path or the directions that they will be taking and the right path. Now, it sounds like taking the right path is a cliche. Now, cliche, we know, is something that's used or overused, a term that might be overused from time to time, and so therefore it loses its meaning. But the, the, the following Jesus is not a cliche. It is actually your pathway to victory. And for all of us, that goes. And in that process, we want to be able to hone in on a few things today if we can. Now, a guy by the name of Edgar Guest wrote a poem. And he wrote a poem about the roads we take in life. This is a portion of that. It says this. 
The easy roads are crowded and level roads are jammed. The pleasant little rivers with the drifting folks are crammed. But off yonder, where it's rocky, where you get a better view, you will find the ranks are thinning and the travelers are few. But the steeps that call for courage and the task that's hard to do and the end results in glory for the never wavering few. I think maybe the heart of that particular poem there would simply mean that where you end up one day will be determined by the pathway or the path that you choose today. Be interesting to look back in 20 years from now or 15 years from now and be able to see what all of them become. Many of you stood here and, or stood in a place such as this or at least walked across the stage and, and did all the stuff that they told you to do and you had great dreams and you had these plans and maybe you thought you did, but they changed a little bit. Anybody change your plans along the way? Raise your hand up real high because I want the seniors to be able to say, all right, uh, anybody make a rip? No, I'm going to talk about that. A story is told about uh, a young man that was born with an awful facial deformity. And um, he grew up uh, certainly alone and, and all alone. But when reaching adulthood, he decided to move from his town to begin a new life. He thought that would be an interesting thing to do and maybe get on with his life. On the way there to this new community he was going to search out, he uh, actually discovered a beautiful mask. And it fit him perfectly. And it made him look so handsome. At first, the mask seemed uncomfortable at times. And he was afraid that people would find out who he really was underneath that mask. But he continued to wear the mask every single day, no matter what. Well, in his new hometown, he made many friends and he actually even fell in love. But one day, a wicked woman from his old home came to his town and discovered his true identity. So in front of, in front of his friends and his fiancée, she forced him to remove the mask to reveal himself. And when he removed the mask, it revealed a handsome face. For you see, his face had conformed to the mask. Now we think about that, but becoming like Christ is very similar, isn't it? If we put on Christ, if we put on Christ, we should look more and more like him in our, in our walk of life. And that's what we're called to do is to put on Christ. So the first and very first thing I want to tell you is to do is to go ahead and put on Christ. One says, well, how do I put on Christ? Well, you can go to church and you can say, I believe in Jesus and I believe in God and I believe that he went to a cross and I believe that he died and I believe that he rose again on the third day and I believe he's in heaven preparing a place for me someday. But the way you put on Christ is very clear in scripture. You put on Christ through Baptism. Have you been baptized? Because by doing so, you put on Christ. Galatians tells us that specifically. For as many of you have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. So that goes for all of us, for you out there as well. And you don't have to be a senior. You could be a person and say, you know, I never really thought of that before, but I really want to put on Christ. Now, in the world, as I'm talking to maybe the seniors and others, but in the world out there, there you will face many times, many trials, of course. We tell you all those things. And many, thing, many times people will say things about you and, and do things. And maybe at times you may think, I can't do this. It's too difficult. 
I, I, there's no way I can make this work. It's just impossible for me to carry on. But remember who you have put on. If you remember who you've put on, you can withstand and you can now have the strength to succeed in doing whatever it is that you are going to do on the journey that you're on. It is important to understand, first and foremost, that we should put on Christ. There are many things in life that people have told you and will tell you, especially over the next several weeks. There will be things that people will tell you about the real world out there. We've heard that term before, the real world out there. You're about to enter into the real world. you ever hear that? You're like, whoa, I've been in a different world. I didn't know that. But in this process, there's a lot of things that will go on. A lot of people will tell you things such as, I know I've heard them all my life, of how bad it is and how it's a dog-eat-dog world out there. That might be the case in some places. Don't get your hopes up too high, someone might even tell you. It's hard to become successful in these times. You better do this or you better do that. You better do this, you better do that. You better go to this school, you better not go to that school. You better. That's what people tell people. That's what we share with them. Now, others will say, success is just waiting. It's right around the corner for you. You can become anything you want to become. Those are the things we really like to hear, isn't it? We like to hear that I can be successful. I'm going for it. This is a wonderful thing. You can do it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Remember, putting on Christ. Well, my advice is quite simple this morning, and it is this. Stay connected to Christ, for He is the, He has great plans for you, and the plans are totally awesome. Now, you know one of my favorite scriptures, of course, is Jeremiah 29.11. And notice what it says there. It says, for I know that I have plans for you, declares the Lord. If you read too fast, you miss some things. When the Lord declares something, it has to come to pass. When the Lord declared that the heavens be filled with stars, they had no choice but to be stars and shine for Him. When the Lord declares something for your life, you better hold on to what He's talking about. And so this is one I would say grab up, hold on to, and hold on to it tight the rest of your life. Because the Lord declares that He has plans for you. Now if God, the Lord, has is nothing but good and is a good, good God, then any of His plans for you must be good, good things. Who likes good, good things in their life? Give me an amen. All right, very good. Now, now He tells us, He goes on to say, plans to prosper you. Now, all of you, all of them up here today, they would all and all of us want success in our life. That's what we want, isn't it? We want to prosper, and we can measure that in many different ways. We want to prosper. God says, I have a plan for you, and it's the plan to get you to prosper. And in this, and you, and not to harm you. God doesn't want to harm you. You see? He's saying, I want to bless you. Plans to give you hope and a future. So God is on your side, He knows what your future holds, and He wants you to receive everything in that good plan that He has for your life. That's why you want to be clothed with Christ. Give me an amen. So, to kick kickstart this thing off, this graduation season, I thought I would do this in a, um, I didn't know how I really was going to do it. And Donna was up here working on Monday, I think it was Monday evening, and uh, she was working in the workroom there, and I was in my office, and I didn't know what I was going to do, and it was a long day, and all that, and I said, Hmm, this might sound pretty good. And so I just jotted down these eight things. And I thought that they would be helpful for all of us today, of course. Now, there are eight sermons. So, Jim, relax. I'm not going to give eight sermons. There are eight sermons that I could preach on in May in the future. However, I'm going to give them to as bullet points, if you will. So maybe that you can take one or two or all of them, if you will, to be able to do something good with. Here we go. Number one, 
To make it in life, you have to learn to be strong. Can I hear an amen? Joshua was told to be strong and courageous in that process, but you have to learn to be strong. Life will beat you up if you let it, and sometimes it'll beat you up if you don't want it to. Amen? It's just the truth. Let me give you an example of that one real true. Um, well, let me give you an example, I should say. When I was here, uh, I came here to preach 25 years ago next month. And so 25 years ago, I'm standing at the back there after a sermon, about three weeks or so in, there's this, this older gentleman that comes walking through the doors. And, you know, there's a receiving line. Usually they tell the preacher like, hey, good job. Hey, buy me some chicken today or something. So they go through the line. And we were, they're going through the line. This elderly gentleman comes up there and he simply says, that was the worst sermon I ever heard in my life. I thought he was joking, but I realized real quick he wasn't. So I thought for a minute, I, okay, but then when he, he just goes on. But he circles around and goes through some pews, gets right back in the receiving line. And I'm thinking to myself, what in the world is this guy going to say this time? So sure enough, a couple people come through, you know, oh, you're so good looking and so tall. And oh. Anyway, so he comes through. He comes through the line again and he says, I'll tell you what, that sermon was worse than last week's sermon. And I was like, what have I got myself into? So there was a person that I knew and I called him over and I said, hey, could you please tell me what in the world's wrong with this guy? You know what, he's, you know what he said? He said, oh, don't pay him, no, never mind. He's kind of lost his mind. He only repeats what people say. <laughs> Now, now I have to be honest with you. If, I, if not, I'll have to repent because that is not true. That did not happen. But I'm pretty sure somebody was thinking it. You know what I'm saying? If you will get this little simple truth down inside of your spirit, inside of you, you will soar like eagles. Watch this. And that truth is without God, you have no strength. But with God, you have awesome strength. Give me an amen. Listen to what Scripture says about that. Isaiah 40. But those who open the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. That's God's promise to you, my friend. So, number one, stay strong. Number two, keep your focus. You got to learn to keep your focus. Give me an amen, church. You got to keep your focus. Your focus is important. If you lose your focus, you lose your balance. You lose your balance, you become Humpty Dumpty. And we all know what happened to him, right? It is what happens in our lives, and we have to understand that, is to stay focused on what it is that you're doing, what it is that you're called to do, what is the task before you. The God who called you into this life, my friend, that when you were just little bitty babies just a few years ago, we were making the dedication Sunday for you. And here you stand, about to walk across the stage and get that diploma and head off into the real world. But listen to me, the God who called you into this world, those 17, 18, 19 years ago, whatever it was, whatever the case, he is a good, good God. And if you will focus on him, and if your focus stays on him, I promise you, when you're 60, you will do just fine. You'll look back and you'll say, it was just fine because I kept my focus on God. Philippians chapter 3 tells us that. This is a message translation. I use it because it makes my point. So let's keep focused on the goal. Those of us that want everything God has for us. You want everything that God has for you? Just keep your focus. Now watch. He goes on to say, 
If any of you have something else in mind, something less than total commitment, God will clear your blurred vision as well. Isn't that wonderful to know? Because even some of us, even in the age of 50 or 60, may not know what it is that God has for us. If you will keep your focus on God, I promise you, He will pull those scales back and He will let you see with 2020 vision, even in your old age. Keep your focus. Number three, this one nobody likes. It's called discipline. But everyone knows that discipline, all adults know, I, I, well, I don't know that's true. But nonetheless, discipline is a must. Can I get an amen? Christianity. What is Christianity? Christianity to me is a disciplined, Christ-controlled, centered life. That's what it is. It's a disciplined, it's a disciplined, Christ-controlled, centered life. The word discipline is often comes off negative because nobody likes to be disciplined. You like to be disciplined? No. But it's not negative. In fact, it's very powerful. It's an integral part of the successful journey that you want for your life. If you remove discipline in your life, your success will not come. Not to the great length or the height that you desire for it to be. You must have discipline in your life. It is the ability to gain self-mastery over whatever you choose in life. Why is that important? It is important because no discipline, you will, if you have no discipline, you will not have the success that you want. No discipline, you will not master it. It will master you. Because life is tough. There is no doubt. It doesn't matter if you, it doesn't matter if you are a taxi cab driver or a race car driver. It doesn't matter if you're a, a, a doctor. Or if you're a person that flips hamburgers, you must learn that discipline is important in your life. Discipline is something that God wants for our lives. Proverbs, listen to this one. I love this. I mean, he just tells it just straight, straight out. He tells you, whoever loves discipline, whoever loves discipline, loves knowledge. But whoever hates correction is stupid is, is stupid does. Think about it. That goes for all of us, not just the ones that are graduating. Discipline is a must in your life. Ask anyone, they'll tell you that. That is successful. They will tell you it was the discipline of life. I wanted to be a professional baseball player when I grew up. Had a chance to try out for the Cincinnati Reds. But you know what? I wasn't disciplined enough in my life to make that next step. Somebody was. Because every year they field a team. Every year. Discipline pays off. Number four. Glad I didn't because I probably wouldn't be here. Here we go. Number four. Your faith is yours. Don't let anyone steal it from you because they'll try to. This one is valuable for you. Especially those of you that are headed off to college. Oh, please understand. There's a world out there that is against you. There is no doubt. And your faith is yours. Don't let anyone steal it from you. There's a thing in our world today that you'll be warned against over and over again, perhaps in your orientation classes. And it will be a thing called identity theft. And they will say, guard against that. Guard against that. Because identity theft is normally used to gain something from you, normally financial-wise, but not always financially. It could be just to get your name. But nonetheless, in that process, I assure you that there is something worse than losing your identity. And that is your faith being stole from you. 
And here's the thing. God tells you exactly who it is. He tells you exactly what he's going to do and his desire for your life. And his name is Satan. And he will try to do everything he can to steal from your your faith from you because if he can steal your faith and get you to question your faith to begin with, well, I wonder if that was really right. I hadn't heard that before. If he can get you to question your faith, he will have control over every other aspect of your life. In John 10.10, it splits it out in one of two ways. Your, your life's going gonna to go one way or the other, and here it is. This is a perfect verse to use. You can have this or you can have that. That's what God says. He says the thief comes, that's Satan, comes to only steal, kill, and destroy. None of those things nobody likes. Nobody likes that in their life. Nobody want, you, you, we want your stuff stolen. You want to go home this afternoon and everything in your house be gone? Oh, you'd be upset, wouldn't you? Sure. That's what Satan wants to do with your identity, your faith. He wants to steal from you. He said, but I have come that you may have life and have it to its full. In that, it's your decision. Have a destroyed life or have a blessed life. Which one do you choose today? Makes a difference. Number five comes from uh, John Maxwell. Out of all of his books, because I think they're all the same. But nonetheless, he, he talks about this strategic living. And he talks about it. It must be a must in your life for success. You have to be strategic about what it is that you're doing in life. It's not only helps you measure. To me, this is what, when I look at that for myself, I simply allow it to say this. It not only helps you measure your growth, it lets others know where you are headed in life. You're headed somewhere. You're actually productive. This, I can see that growth in your life. It's a strategic plan. It's a strategic thing in your life. And as Christians, we are to have that as well in our lives. Make sure, and I say it like this, live life with passion, not regret. But make sure that your passion is Christ-centered. Then your life will be different. And it will be successful. Listen to what Paul said in Philippians chapter 3. He said these words. He said, I'm not bragging about it, not that I have already obtained all of this or I have already arrived at my goal. See the goal? I haven't, I haven't gotten there yet. But if you move on down a little further in 14, he says, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. He said, I haven't reached my goal yet. Sometimes I even fail. In fact, just call me the chief sinners, he once said. But he said, I know one thing. I press on to the goal. Strategic. Live a life. Live life deliberately for Christ. Number six, consistency pays off. And it does. These may sound a little redundant, but it's the way I wrote them down. Here we go. Be consistent. Consistency pays off. There is no doubt. To me, being consistent is more than just tying your shoes the same way every day. It means to me, reliable. It means dependable. It means trustworthy. And above all, integrity is above reproach. This is important in your life. Young people, you need to get this one. It's so valuable for you. God has entrusted all of us in this room, but God has entrusted you just because you're young doesn't mean that God hasn't entrusted you with something in your life. 
God has entrusted all of us with a gift or a talent. And some of you up here, you don't really know what that quite is. You have a desire. You have a little taste. Maybe you went to a camp or maybe you went to a conference or maybe it was a preacher that came in or or spoke to you or maybe it was a mom or dad or a grandma or grandpa that inspired you just a little bit and you got a little bit of a taste there. And it was a taste that was something that you really wanted. And I would simply say is grab a hold of that. Because what your parents see in you, your grandparents see in you, and good Christian people see in you, they're not, it's not fluffing stuff. They're trying to give you some guidance. They're trying to show you what your talents are. We're all different. Red, yellow, black, and white, we're all precious in his sight. Give me an amen. And we all have different gifts and different talents. But if you will be consistent in doing what is right in your life, he will see to it that you are well taken care of throughout your life. For those of us that are a little bit older, we look back and we see that. We see the bumps in the roads that we had, and it was because of us. It wasn't because of God. It was because of what we decided. And we weren't consistent in our faith. We weren't consistent in our studies. We weren't consistent in our prayer time. We weren't consistent in those things that God had called us to be. But God has blessed us. He gives us another day, and we get back on track. Listen to what Jesus said in Luke chapter 16. I like this passage as well. It reads, if you're honest in small things, you'll be honest. Duh. I said, if, you, if you're a crook in small things, you'll be a crook in big things. Duh. And then he goes on to say, if you're not honest in small jobs, who will put you in charge of the store? Young people, this is important. You, you, you know, I don't know where it is. Is you're going to get some jobs that you don't really like? But God has called you to be honest in whatever you're doing, whatever it is that you're doing. And notice what he says, who will put you in charge of the store? No worker can say or serve two bosses. He'll either hate the first and love the second or adore the first and despise the second. You can't serve both God and the bank. You got to remember that. So when you find something in life, be consistent in it. And if you love it, be real consistent in it. Even if it doesn't pay you what you think you deserve, because there's where you find joy. It's not about the money at the end of the day. It's about enjoying life in the midst of what God has called you to be in life. I had good paying jobs. Could have already. I was thinking about that this morning when I was shaving. And I was thinking about myself. You know, I could have been retired from the post office and Ford Motor Company. And I thought, wow, that'd be nice. I'd already be in St. Louis and with my grandkids and, and we would be going to all the ball games and enjoying all of those things. But I look back on it and I'm so thankful that God led me into ministry. I'm, I'm thankful for that because of the blessing of my church family that has always been there for me and Donna, my family in wonderful and powerful ways. I want to be consistent in my walk with God from the moment I came here 25 years ago until the moment I leave, not another 25 years, I can guarantee you that. All right. Consistency pays off. Give me an amen. Almost done. Hang on. Number seven. Do a spirit check often in your life. This is one we fail to do as Christians. God has placed His Spirit within all Christians. Once you become, you remember you clothe yourself with Christ? Remember, what do you receive? Your sins are removed. What, re- what do you receive? The gift of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit resides with inside the Christian. So God has placed His Holy Spirit within us. And He's placed Him there for a reason. 
If you let him, he will guide you through, around, over the obstacles that you will undoubtedly face in your life. And I will tell you that there are people here, listen to me, when you run into those obstacles, young people, when you run into those obstacles when in your 20s and in your 30s, come and talk to your grandparents or your parents or somebody at church. You're going to find out something when you talk to them. When you tell them, you're going to say, man, I don't know what happened there. I got off target here. This didn't work out. And I was just trying my really hardest. And, you know, and, and they're going to give you some good advice. But then ask them a question. Anything like that ever happened to you? And all of us have been there, haven't we? I haven't always made the best choices in life. Have you? And so when your kids come to you and they ask you for that advice, make sure that you give them good godly advice, but also let them know that God, God will be there. God is through all of this, even the decisions that you made throughout life that seem to be bad. You must examine yourself often. Lamentations tells us that in uh, uh, chapter 3, 40. He said, let us examine our ways and test them and let us return to the Lord. Do you see that? You teachers out there, you're going through some exams right now. I think it's probably already over with. You're just watching movies now. But nonetheless, there's a reason why you do an examination. It allows your student to be able to go to the next level. That's why you're going to get a diploma in a few days. You went through these grades some couple times, and and as you go through those, you stand on a stage, and somebody says, here, you, you did this examination, and you've passed the test. And you walk across and you're proud. Your parents are proud and everybody's yelling and throwing a hat and all that. He said, as spiritually, he said, examine your ways and then test them. I don't like tests. I'm not a good test taker. And that's the truth. But we are to test them. When we examine what it is that we're doing in our lives, we are to test them. And because what does that do? It allows us to see the ones. We were looking over some papers. You know, we're, you're supposed to put this collage together for your class or your, your senior, and it will be displayed tonight. And we were looking over some of the papers and the grades that Langston received throughout school. And, you know, it starts off with satisfactory, unsatisfactory, whatever, and then it moves into the grade levels, A, B, C, and D, and all those things. And, you know, they weren't all A's. They weren't all satisfactories. But I'll tell you what, a gazillion more than I ever received. But my point is, there's a reason for that. When you teachers out there, there was this one paper that he got and was list all the states of the United States and their capitals. And he got 100%. And it was just on there, big old star with 100%. But you see, when you take a test, you don't always get 100%. Sometimes the teacher marks one out red and this one out red and that one out red. And you get an 88 And when you look at that, it's for a reason. It's not to put you down. It's not to say, ha, 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 you missed some. It's so that you might be able to make the corrections if you have to know that in the future. It's the same way in our spiritual lives. God allows us and wants us to examine our lives every day. He wants us to test our motives so that when we do that and we find when we get a little red mark, we can make the adjustments. We can make the adjustments and we return to the Lord. Why? Because the Lord is a good, good God. Amen? All right. I could end there, but I'm not. Number eight. Um, oh, I was going to say this about that. The wonderful thing about that, what was the last one I almost forgot? I did forget. Check your spirit often. The wonderful thing is God's Word. 
It's an open book test. Isn't that good? It's an open book test. I love that. And in that process, know this. Just as you will often in life look at your gas gauge. Here's a real good one for you. And this will help all of us. When you look at the gas gauge in your car to find out whether or not you need to add fuel or not, that's a good time to look at your spiritual gauge in life and just simply say, am I running on empty? And so while you're out there pumping gas and you're listening to music or whatever, why don't you just say, God, I need to get back on track. I need to do a little better in this area. It gives you time. Galatians chapter 6 says, each one should test their own actions. That Then they can pride in them, take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. God doesn't want us to compare ourselves to each other. You're going to be, be much better than me most days, but some days I might perhaps be better than you. So don't measure up to that. Look to God. Number eight, very important. Jeff said it in his prayer again, never forget who you are. Never forget. We too often do this as Christians. We forget that we are the children of the Most High God. Kingdom kids, heavenly sanctified. God made you to be you, not someone else. Be you and the best you you can be. Ephesians chapter 2 says it this way. God has made us what we are. He has created us in Christ Jesus to live lives filled with good works that He has prepared for us to do. God made you. God recreated you in Christ Jesus to live a life filled with good works that He's prepared for you to do. It's as though He made a list. I wrote this morning. It's as though He made a list of things that He wanted you and only you to do. Think about that. The Creator of the universe has a list for you to do while you're here. Wow. All I would simply say, he doesn't have that list so that you get his approval. He has that list so that you might live a good, good life while you're here, knowing that heaven awaits, but life here can also be very rewarding. And that is our prayer for you today. And that's my prayer for you today, is that you would realize those things and know that God is a good, good God. Let me pray. Father God, you are a good, good God. Everything about you is good. Father, these young men and women up here, and all of us as Christians, Father, we, we don't get it right. We don't always get it right. They're not going to score 100% in everything that they do. And even if they do, do Father, in certain things, there will be other areas where they don't. Help them to realize, Father, the goal is you, not perfection. Because if we keep our eyes on you, we become closer and closer to what you look like. And you are perfect. Thank you, God. Bless this church. Bless these individuals. Bless all of us, Father, as we grow in you each and every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Maybe today you have a prayer request or a concern, whatever that might be. This is what we do. We sing a song just for you. If you need to come right now, it's a good time to do so as we stand and sing.